By the time you hear this podcast, you'll know the exact moment that video killed the radio star. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 51. Still trying to figure out how long was Irving Berlin cool in 1982? <laughs> this is a, I'm laughing at the part that it stopped the clapping. I don't, it just sounds like it's like this nice little applause. <laughs> uh, was that his real, hold on, was that his real name? Taco? Yeah. Oh, no. Irving Berlin is the one who wrote the song. Oh, okay. Oh, duh. Taco's real name. Well, actually, you know what? His first name actually is Taco. Oh, okay. That's cool. You know? Yeah. Your parents liked you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, as I said, welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast, episode 51. And um, uh, thank you to everyone who's listened so far. We're close to having a year's worth of podcasts. You want to start from the beginning? Um, you'll be able to do that. I mean, you won't be lost. Yeah, if you don't. But you know, you'll get all the all the running bits we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's a good road trip conversation. I agree. And if you want to tell other people how they can find us. Well, first, we refer you to our website by the time you hear this dot com. Still no copyright claim. Mm-hmm. Um, you can visit our website. We post all our episodes and it's in a blog style and you can uh, comment on that. Listen to the episode from there. Check out the videos and uh, links to uh, our topics that we 
that we talk about. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can also, <laughs> you can also see us, uh, see our, go to our, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Now the website and the Facebook page, by the time you hear this is spelled with the word you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now with our, fe- our, our special sophisticated or sophisticated, depending <laughs> on where you're from, um, our special fancy social media on Instagram, where at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U, because rep standing, yes, mm-hmm. and that is that spelling is also the same for our email address. By the time you hear this at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, your questions, your show ideas. If you're an independent artist and you want to get your music heard in as many places as you can, you can send it to us and we'll play it and discuss it. No extra charge, Mm-mm, none, no PL here, no, none of that. And, um, yeah, so you can, uh, email us if you'd like. And also you can, um, if you want to figure out where you can listen to us, depending on what kind of mobile device you have or however you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe to us on Podomatic, of course, uh, on iTunes, AKA Apple podcast, Google play Castbox, satchel podcast player, tune in radio overcast and auto radio. So uh, many places in which you can find us and listen to us. Yeah, very many. All right. So let's get into our show here. Uh, Starting off on a somber note. We hadn't done that in a while, but, you know, we couldn't avoid it forever. Mm -mm. Uh, Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Linkin Park, uh, has passed away. He was found dead on the 20th of July. and it appeared to be suicide by hanging. Yeah. It's tragic, man. Um, Chester Bennington, I, I would, when I, when I think of him, I think of him being like the, um, a more willing participant and being the voice of a, of a, of a generation mm-hmm. more willing than compared to someone like a Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that he had the magnitude of what Kurt Cobain was or is even after his death, mm-hmm. but it was seen, it was basically someone who looked to embrace, at least embrace the spotlight more. Yeah, no, I think he did. And, you know, looking back, that band was huge, you know, hybrid theory. Um, probably, I don't, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it had to be one of the biggest selling debuts. Um, I know for a fact it had to be one of the biggest selling debuts of, um, of that era, you know, then releasing Meteora and then right before minutes to midnight, getting that huge contract, uh, which was kind of unheard of for a rock band, especially at that time with, you know, album sales, not being what they used to be. They still found a way to, you know, kind of endure. And, um, I mean, a lot of that was a, a play off of Chester Bennington and Mike Shinoda, you know, they, they fit so well together. Um, how you think of their biggest song in the end, you know, Mike Schnoda raps and then, you know, Chester Bennington comes in with that really catchy chorus that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, and then the bridge is just like he was, but that's who he was, you know, uh, with hybrid theory. Um, I'm not sure how many, it, well, it went diamond, of course. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> um, not sure how many albums it sold exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like in the twenties or thirties. Um, but they, that, I mean, that was their first album and 
probably with their we i mean we've made we don't we haven't i don't think we made jokes about lincoln park but it was more about their fans yeah. their fans who need to uh, move on from who, who didn't really like move on from hybrid theory yeah. they were expecting another hybrid theory um each time out but um this was this was uh if it's considered new metal or rap metal yeah. this was at this was at its its height well, they did well, it. Well, them, them, and Limp Biscuit. Yeah, they did it more commercially. They were more commercially successful with it than anybody else was. Yeah. Um. To where you know, Hybrid Theory than Meteora were both were you know no offense to Limp Biscuit and Corn fans. It was just more accessible than I think Limp Biscuit and Corn was. Um, and it was like you know you actually had a really good DJ. Um, in my opinion, you know, uh, Mr. Han is, is, is a better DJ than, um, than DJ lethal, no offense to DJ lethal. Um, and then I also think that Mike Shinoda was, I'm not going to say a better rapper than Fred Durst, but he knew how to write for his audience, um, better than Fred Durst really did. Uh, and I think that's partially why they had more success. What's interesting about it is that with, um, <laughs> I didn't realize this cause I, I, I heard, I saw that name. And I knew that Mr. Han directed their videos. Mm-hmm. I did not know this was the same Mr. Han that directed the Fast and the Furious movies. He directed a couple of those. Oh, that was him? Yeah. What? The, hold on. Did he also do Better Luck Tomorrow? Or that was Justin Lin? I'm thinking of Justin Oh, wait. Lin. No, okay. Never mind. God dang it. I totally screwed that up. You think of Justin Lin? Yeah. Okay. I was confusing with Justin. <laughs> I thought Justin Lin was the one in the... But... Joseph Vaughn has directed um, a couple of films, okay. <laughs> but he is. Yeah, he directs most, if not all of Linkin Park's videos. I was going to be like, dude, respect. Love me some better luck tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get numbers on this hybrid theory. So thing, looking how many here, it was looking initially at what I see. Um, in America, it went. It sold over 11 million copies. Um, in the UK, um, a million and a half. Another million, million and a half. half. And then in, just in Europe altogether, four million. So I mean, you're so probably it's probably hovering at, around 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then that. Yeah, that's just in Europe. And then with the other countries, mm-hmm. um, it just yeah sold so much. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it was a monster. It came around at the perfect time. Yeah. Not to take away anything that they did, but it came at the perfect time. Rap metal slash new metal was like at an apex. And people were still buying records. Yeah. And this and what's interesting about this is like even after the, the Woodstock ninety nine mm-hmm. where it was that was maybe that I don't know if what you consider the peak. Well, I would want to do an episode about this, about of course, down the line. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> but between like 98 and 2002 with new metal being just everywhere. Yeah. Like we talked about it on TRL, just dominating the chart in TRL, mm-hmm. you know, to where you take this, you take a Woodstock 99, we're going to have it headlined by, uh, corn, Limp Biscuit, mm-hmm. you know, haters. and probably like the, the grandfather or godfather of new metal, red hot chili peppers. <laughs> And and then here comes Lincoln Park to where they they don't have that kind of reputation or not necessarily even that kind of look. Well, it wasn't even it wasn't it was more angst than anger. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's kind of what, honestly, I think the angst, not anger, helped them develop into what they were. Because, you know, you you kind of hear the change on Meteora going from hybrid theory to Meteora and then Minutes to Midnight, which was a completely different record. Had more in common with like a U2 type band than it did with a Corn or a Limp Biscuit. I think there was only one song that had a rapping on it. Um, and that was um, uh, Bleed It Out. Um, that was the only song that had rapping on it. Everything else was just very um, kind of guitar, like, you know, kind of songwriting driven. And they only had really one song that was heavy, and that was Given Up. Everything else was very kind of introspective, and you kind of started to see Chester Bennington be a different singer. Like, you know, he didn't have to scream and do all this stuff anymore. You saw that he was a lot more melodic at that point, and that kind of showed a different a different side of him that I don't think a lot of people realized that he could do. Um, and then especially after he did, like a few years later, he did the cover, the live cover I told you about of Rolling in the Deep. Like a lot of people were like, okay, he can actually sing. Because um, I think a lot of people thought he was just a dude that could scream all the time, which he is. He, he can scream. And I remember being kind of blown away that like at his age, he could still perform well live, which means he's also taking care of his voice. Yeah. Um, he was 41 years old. Um, normally the way he sings, you don't expect that to last very long. No, you don't. <laughs> as Not far as you know, in that way, and as as intense as it is, um, definitely something that wasn't expected. But he also, you know, showed that he was maybe considered a well, actually a real rock singer. He's performed with Stone Temple Pilots for yeah. a couple of years. He um is a lead singer for Dead by Sunrise. Mm-hmm. Um, another. That was one of his side projects. Yeah, yeah a side project of his. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and um, another fact about Hybrid Theory, the best-selling debut album of the decade. So I was gonna say that, but I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was also he also did a little bit of acting. I didn't know he was acting. Uh, he was in Crank and Crank High Voltage. I think it was like a small, it was okay. a small role, but I remember him in Crank. I didn't see the second one. I didn't see but, it. But yeah. It looked, it looked pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Crank is one of those that, um, I feel like it's one of those movies you watch when you can't sleep. <laughs> and then by the end, they're like, okay, I don't have as many bad problems as that guy may have had in that movie. <laughs> so, um, really bad movie. Didn't that have, um, Luke Besson, didn't he direct that? Uh, Crank? Yeah. If so, then... No. Okay, I was going to say, thank God he got... He, he might have had some influence on it, though. Because, yeah, Jason Statham. Ugh. Okay, I've never heard of these people, so I'm thinking of something else. Mark Neville Dean and Brian Taylor. Yeah. So. Um. But, besides that, um... <laughs> uh, with, um... Chester Ring with Lincoln Park, you know, it'll pro- they won't probably won't be eligible for another nine years or so. Probably. Well, it's twenty uh, years after your first release, right? Twenty five. Twenty five. Okay. So yeah, it's it's a little bit of time, and it'll be one of those. Do you see them being the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't be that successful and not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think the only thing that that kind of hurts them is their lack of success for their last couple of albums. And I don't think it's because they weren't good. It's just because I don't think they knew exactly what they wanted to be. 
Um, you heard you started to hear more influence from Mr. Han with, you know, the music being a lot more electronic versus, you know, sticking to their rock roots. And a lot of their fans, I don't think, liked that. Um, you know, that's how we talked about, you know, Linkin Park fans need to let go <laughs> of hybrid theory. Like they kept waiting for another hybrid theory. Yeah. And I know that there are two distinct different types of Linkin Park fans. I fall in the I fall in the lot of Linkin Park fans that likes everything after minutes to midnight. A lot of people don't <laughs> like, you know, they're like minutes to midnight is the worst album. I beg to differ. So it's just, you know, I think that's the only thing that kind of is a stain on them. I don't see it as a stain, though. I see it more so as a um, as a tribute to how good they were at what they you know what they needed to do. They did it well. It's just their fans didn't come along with them. Um, to give you some other numbers here, seventy million albums sold worldwide. Uh, Thirty million singles worldwide. Uh, Twenty-seven point eight million of those albums sold in the U.S. Uh, 11 number one singles on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. And the second act ever to have at least 10 weeks with three or more tracks on that chart. Um, They've earned two Grammys, one for Crawling and one for Numb slash Encore, the Jay-Z mashup album. Um, All of their albums, well, all of them albums went at least gold um, in America. Yeah. Uh, One More Light, uh, which just came out in May. Yeah. Uh, they uh, A video was released the day after Chester's death for Talking to Myself. Um, they were in the middle of a tour. Uh, they were coming to... Um, I believe they're going to be at uh, Infinite Energy Arena on the 27th, but they've canceled the rest of the tour, of course. Um, And yeah, I mean, like even with their, they even had like live albums live in Texas. Their first live album was platinum in America. Um, Yeah, that was just, that one came out right after um, Meteora, right? Live in Texas. Yeah. Okay. That was a pretty good live album. Um, and I also liked their remix albums. The remix album Reanimation um, was also actually, in platinum. Yeah. That's <laughs> the remix I, album. I think that's the last remix album I know of that you know that was a, a success like that. I always felt that's how they should have done Hybrid Theory. I I thought it was much better, especially their remix of um, Crawling with um, well no they did a remix of Crawling and. Um, they remix of crawling with Aaron Lewis. Yeah, that, I like that. Most of the one they did with John Davis. That was every um, uh, one step closer. That's what it was with John Davis on there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And they all had different like names and stuff, like where they spelled it. Well, yeah, they they spelled it different, and yeah. you had to like kind of use your head to figure out. Okay, what this is a remix of what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also on the album, they had a song with Black Thought. They did a song with Pharaoh Munch. Mm-hmm. Um, did they have the dude from um, Orgy? Jay something? Jay Gordon? Jay Gordon, yeah, from Orgy. Yeah. They were a thing, remember? They were <laughs> as part of that part of that new metal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, to rest in peace to Chester Bennington, we'll uh, have a tribute to him a little later in our show. Mm-hmm. All right. So in other news, um, 
Justin Bieber has canceled the rest of his tour. Um, his purpose world tour. I guess it lost purpose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a statement. <laughs> there's a statement that uh, was posted on his website earlier. Uh, it says due to unforeseen circumstances, Justin Bieber will cancel the remainder of the purpose world tour concerts. Justin loves his fans and hates to disappoint them. He thanks his fans for the incredible experience of the purpose world tour over the last 18 months. He is grateful and honored to have shared that experience with his cast and crew for over 150 successful shows across six continents during this run. However, after careful consideration, he has decided he will not be performing any further dates. Tickets will be refunded at point of purchase. There were 14 shows remaining on the tour. Um, when you're touring for a year and a half, like I understand you're touring for, you know, a few months after releasing an album. Yeah. He was touring for a year and a half. And then also with promoting it, you know, if you're making music videos, if you're doing any other projects, that's a lot. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And, and you know, he's one of those few acts that could probably even do that anymore mm -hmm. to where they lay. Yeah, let's do a world tour and it's going to be a year and a half. He's in a very small group of artists who can actually pull that off. Yeah, that's 150 successful shows. It's a lot of shows. You mm -hmm. think about that. If you think about it, there's only 50 weeks in a year. <laughs> so he's out there doing multiple shows a week. Um, and I know they're physical because he dances. He does the whole the whole nine. So it's not like he's just... And this isn't to, to insult rock stars because I know rock stars tour hard. But he's up there dancing. He's up there doing physical activity. I mean, if you if you are a rock star, and I, I I'm taking a shot at you, Kid Rock, um, who made fun of who made fun of NSYNC. Mm -hmm. Imagine getting up on stage and doing cardio for two hours. <laughs> and if you get tired, tough, can't stop. You got to keep going. <laughs> you got to keep going. Oh, and not to mention, it's not just cardio because yeah, you're not just running. It's choreographed cardio. Yeah. So you have to make sure that you remember it. And you've probably been rehearsing it for, you know, months and months and months to make sure that you're not missing it. Oh, and by the way, you're also singing while you're doing all of this cardio. Now do that. And not just your new album <laughs> to which you just recorded and got used to singing those songs live. Yeah. Now you got you got all these other songs you got to yeah. do. And then you have to I don't know who picks those out. I don't know how that goes as far as the, whatever the set list is going to be. But then also you're also if you're also trying to make this some kind of some kind of visual spectacle. Mm -hmm. Like for anyone who saw Katy Perry's halftime show at the Super Bowl, I'm not talking about the shark exactly, <laughs> but um, there was a part like towards the end where it looked like she was floating yeah. through the stadium. Um, that was part, that was a part of her tour. That was a, a <laughs> thing that was part of her tour. Yeah. So I don't know if Bieber's doing anything like that to where he's looks like he's like flipping around probably uh, on a harness or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing anything to make it more of a visual spectacle like that, you know, to where basically you're doing your own stunts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you like, it's not that easy. as well. It's not easy. And I, I, that really upset me when they were talking to Kid Rock. He's like, Oh, it was, it was, it was talented visually. Like just give them their credit. Kid Rock. Just focus on credit. being a Senator or whatever the hell it is yeah, you're trying yeah. to do right now. Like, it is, and so like, yeah, I mean, it was, it's not like touring. Cause I know some people are like, Oh, it's just, you know, doing a pop show. There's a lot to a good pop show. Yeah, you can just come out there and just sing your songs and stand there, but your fans don't want to see that if you're Justin Bieber. So I couldn't imagine doing that 150 times across six continents. Um, 
Yeah, that's, I mean, like, I would love for him to keep going, but, you know, I can't believe he did it that long. 18 um, months. It's a long time. Yeah, there were 14 shows left. He was going to have Vic Minta or Migos and Martin Garrix opening most uh, different shows. He was scheduled to play at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas and then the Rose Bowl. These are some interesting <laughs> videos, right? Um <laughs> And then after additional dates in New York, Denver, Minneapolis, Boston, and Toronto. Oh, that has been a homecoming right there. Then he was scheduled to play two shows in Tokyo and then dates in Hong Kong, the Philippines, and Singapore. Jet lag, man. <laughs> uh, so his la the last show he had done was in London, in which and then he had done some more dates, which were in South Africa, India, Israel, South America, Australia. New Zealand, yeah. he 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 literally went all over the world. You know, I remember there was a um, I was watching behind the music on Bon Jovi a long time ago, and when they came out with an album, New Jersey, mm -hmm. and they went on a world tour and they toured for like almost two years yeah. off of that one album. <laughs> it's crazy. Like right? <laughs> I thought that was insane at the time. Like that's even like Justin Bieber has approached that. Mm -hmm. You know, off of this one album, you know, I'm sure he he's doing like his his previous songs, the and classics. so is Bon Jovi. But still, to be on tour, to be on the road for that long, and those guys had families. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't have. Justin Bieber doesn't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> but just to like, just to be traveling the world for that long, you know. um, for a year and a half, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you're working on any new music yourself or, or anything like that, that, that is a really long time. Yeah. That is, you know, it's, it's weird for like professional athletes when they go on the road yeah. during the season <laughs> for, you know, a couple weeks, but, but to be, um, before a year and a half, yeah. just performing, perform and doing the same thing over and over. Um, it can take, it can take a toll on you. Mm -hmm. So, um, Respect. I think he just, he just wanted to go get some sleep. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just wondering, let me rest though, up like, and then, uh, for a few months and then I'll start working on the next album. <laughs> I'm just wondering what's going to happen to him though, because I mean, yeah, you can take care of the fans, but what about the venues? <laughs> what about the concert promoters in each, in those towns? You know, are they going to be, I'm on the Justin Bieber show. Deliver what you got. <laughs> so I'm curious what's going to happen there. Well, yeah, the, if they were the big venues, I'm sure the Rose Bowl will, uh, we'll be survive. okay. <laughs> all right. I think, uh, the AT&T stadium, AKA Jerry world, Jerry will, they're going to be will all not right. Have this. He will not have, they're going to be all right. He is going to go to, <laughs> he is going to go to wherever he is in Canada and just be like, Justin, you owe me a show. I don't know if that's how he talks. He, he doesn't talk like that. No. New York, where is that Madison Square Garden? I'm sure they're going to be okay. James Dolan will chase him. <laughs> no, James Dolan. He ha he's going he's gonna to replace Justin Bieber. He has his own yeah, band. Yeah, Jimmy D in the straight shot, right? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. He's going to play that date. Apparently, apparently, he knows music very well, except his own. But like, yeah. apparently, he's... Yeah. But that's very funny. Jimmy D in the straight shot. Um playing at Madison Square Garden. Go check them out. I hear they're pretty bad. So <laughs> I think he was like, 
during on on the, the night of the NBA draft, he was playing a show. Yeah, yeah, that's and how people, big they are. And people showed up yeah. and paid money to heckle him. God, what? <laughs> how much is it to get in? I'll go. I, I, I think so. I think it was like fifteen dollars, fifteen twenty dollars. Oh, money well spent. <laughs> and they're like, I want, "You can hear audio. I want my money back." <laughs> I imagine people going like, "Trade Porzingis." Like, <laughs> um, oh man. But yeah, it's it's very generic white guy blues. Like, it's really bad. Like, not even like you know Stevie Ray Vaughan level. Like, he did it right. No, not Jimmy D in the straight shot. No. Mm-mm. All right. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens with with Bieber going forward. Um, I think it's just a, it was just a long time yeah. of touring. All right. So with the charts, of course, number one. Speaking of Bieber, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still Despacito. <laughs> uh, Despacito still number one on the charts for the eleventh week overall. Um, let me pull up with the, I think it might be safe to say that's the song of the summer. Yeah. I think it's safe to say, uh, number two, wild thoughts, AKA Maria, Maria, 2017, number three, I'm the one. Uh, so DJ Khaled, he has number two and three, but still trying to crack the, crack the top spot. He can't do it, man. He can't break it. (laughs) (laughs) Number four. That's what I like. Number five, Shape of You. Number six, Humble. Number seven, Believer by Imagine Dragons. Number eight, There's Nothing Holding Me Back by Sean Mendez. Number nine, Unforgettable by French Montana featuring Sway Lee. And number 10, Body Like a Back Road by Sam Hunt. That means she's got curves. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In case you know you weren't, you weren't sure. <laughs> so one thing I am happy to see finally happening, Attention by Charlie Puth. It's climbing the charts. It's at number three right now. I've been waiting for that to uh, to show up. That's good. That's good. Oh, that must be the new charts. I'm looking at the twenty week of the 29th, it says. Yeah. Yeah, it's climbing up. Um. Okay. I was just looking at the Hot 100. Oh, yeah. So I'm on two, I think. Okay. That'll probably be next week. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Charlie Puth might be in the top top five at least Ooh, next week. Yeah. Um, so the billboard 200, even though it's been out for a while, technically debuting at number one, technically, technically. <laughs> 444 by Jay Z. Number two, it's an album. I was, <laughs> I was just like, I can't wait. <laughs> 21 Savage, number two. Number three is Damn. Number four, Grateful by DJ Khaled. Number five, Divide. Number six, Evolve. Number seven, debuting at number seven, Something to Tell You by Haim. Number eight, Funk Wave Bounces, Volume One by Calvin Harris. Number nine, The Moana Soundtrack. And number 10, More Life by Drake. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, where is Katy Perry? It's moved up. It is now number 20. Witness is number 20 on the charts. I'm 30. I wonder what moved it up. Is it all those times I streamed Chain to the Rhythm? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's certainly part of the reason. (laughs) And the Artist 100. (laughs) Jumping back into the unranked last week. But you know the rule. We, I think our our rule still applies. Yeah, you release an album. You release an album. You're in there. 
So releasing an album <laughs> technically, <laughs> and it's number one right now. Jay-Z is number one on the artist 100. Uh, here's the rest of the top 10. Number two, Ed Sheeran. Number three, Bruno Mars. Number four, Kendrick Lamar. Number five, DJ Khaled. Number six, Imagine Dragons. Number seven, Sean Mendez. Number eight, unranked last week, 21 Savage. Number nine, Justin Bieber. And number 10, Selena Gomez. I thought you were going to say, it's a debut. <laughs> it's a debut. <laughs> it's a debut. <laughs> Why did he do that? I don't, I don't know. That's just so funny to me. I don't know how, like, it. it well, it really is something he said. And it just caught it with everybody else. It's yeah. like, could you tell us about the uh, the cross on your forehead? It's a knife. And it just took off from there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He just looks weird to me. He's got a lot of job stoppers on his face. Well, he he has a job, though. Yeah. And he's from Atlanta, y'all. He's one of us. He, he's rappering. Mm-hmm. And dating Amber Rose. Oh, so that's why people were saying that um, he would be mad at the picture of Amber Rose and Joe Budden. Look it up. Yeah, look it up. It's it's funny. Hey, hey Joe Budden here to fight everybody. Okay, whatever. The mad rapper. He's the new mad rapper. The new mad rapper. <laughs> um, so back to Luis Fonzi real quick. Uh, Despacito dominating the charts this summer. And... Uh, the Venezuelan president, Nicolas Maduro, has been using the song and uh, in political ads or events. And Luis Fonsi is not happy with that. Uh, he said, my music is not to be used as propaganda that tries to manipulate the will of a people who are crying out for their freedom. I'm curious in what way he's using it, because I mean, it's. It's literally a song about just moving slowly. Well, uh, it says um, for months now, citizens of Venezuela have been struggling and fighting to be free from the government of their president, Nicolas Maduro, who wants to establish a dictatorship in the country via a new constitution. And Venezuelans have been joined by many music superstars who support them with campaigns on social media and beyond. But on Sunday, President Maduro took advantage of the global phenomenon of the song to tell opponents that his constitution is going to happen regardless of their objections by altering the lyrics of the song. Hmm. So I guess that does work because all Despacito means is slowly. So it's going to happen slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Luis Fonsi was uh, reached for comment and he sent a statement saying at no time I've been consulted nor I've authorized the use or change of Despacito's lyrics for political purposes much less in the deplorable situation that a country that I love as much as Venezuela is in. This is interesting. So, yeah. Um, so what do you think of, um, of him, excuse me, kind of fighting back as far as, um, and look, I don't like my song being used like this. He's trying mm -hmm. to basically, this guy's trying to make, um, create a dictatorship using my song. Using pop music. <laughs> First, I can't believe we still have dictatorships, but I guess, duh. Um, but, I mean, it's nothing we haven't seen before. I mean, Fleetwood, oh, not Fleetwood Mac. Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, John Kruger Mellencamp. 
in the 80s didn't want his songs being used. I know there's a few artists that we've seen like in the last in the last decade or so that were like don't don't use my song. So I mean, it's just now we're singing on a global scale and you know, good on Luis Fonsi bringing attention to the fact that there's a dictator trying to come to power in Venezuela. I would have never known this had he not decided to use Despacito. And I'm, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of curious to know the words. I wouldn't understand them. I'd have to have them translated, but I'm just curious to see if he is really using it in the way that I'm thinking that like this will get, you know, this constitution will be approved Despacito. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what I think is happening, but it's, you know, good on him that he's doing that. And uh, 7 million Venezuelans have signed a, um, I guess, a petition to where they rejected this new constitution whenever it comes out. And that's impressive. We can't get. We yeah. Americans. We can't even get 7,000 people to agree on anything yeah. in America, it seems like. Like, pay attention, people. Like, what's the population of, of Venezuela? Because I bet you it's like 10 million. <laughs> like, 70% of the country <laughs> has, um, uh, has said that they're not in favor of it. Population 31 million. That's a lot more people. But well, still, that's almost. That's over twenty percent. Yeah, never, we don't even have that for like election turnout. I don't think. So, um, so yeah, uh, it's good that he is fighting back on that in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we also have. Make sure we're still recording. Okay, we're good. All right, so um, the Rolling Stones, The Walking Dead. You mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're hey, so look, they, they still out here, man. They're so they, old. They still out here in these recording new music streets. Like, I couldn't, like, these dudes are, like, close to my dad's age. I can't imagine my dad getting up on stage, jumping Jack Flash. Like, I can't, I can't see it, man. They're just, Keith Richards is 73, and he did hard drugs. I don't know. Look, so a lot of, a lot of comedians have made the joke to where we have the nuclear apocalypse, the only things that are going to survive are cockroaches and Keith Richards. I could see that. I could see that. And he'll be spry as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned Keith Richards because he's the one who said that uh, the band is heading to the studio very shortly to record their first album of original material in 12 years. It's mm-hmm. only been 12. Okay. A bigger bang was 2005. Wow. Okay. Okay, yeah, Bigger Bang was pretty good. It had uh, some pretty good stuff on it. And their um, their last album was a covers album called Blue and Lonesome, which came out last year. So um, he says, cutting some new stuff and considering where to take it next, Blue and Lonesome caught us a little bit by surprise in that we figured it was something we had to do. We didn't expect, but we didn't expect the response. Regarding an inevitable volume two of the covers release, he said, I don't think we're going to sucker into that straight away, but it wouldn't take a twist of the arm to do some more of that. It was it's such fun to record and there's plenty more where that came from. Hmm. So perhaps another covers album is on the way. And uh, they are working. Well, there's a picture that was posted on Instagram from the from uh, British grime uh, artist Skepta posted on Instagram with him in the studio with Mick Jagger. So who knows if uh, Rolling Stones would incorporate any grime music into their new album. Yeah, I album. saw that. I was like, they're really, but I mean, they're at that point, like 
sure, why not? And do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, they like they and if they like it, yeah. <laughs> kind of like how we were talking about with uh, with Dave Grohl or the yeah. Foo Fighters. You know, they said they wanted to get weird. <laughs> they get weird. He's so, got the clout. So uh, definitely, Mick Jagger can do that as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Um, well, we were gonna. Oh well, I'm sorry, my my bad. I was I had to go back to my list. I forgot what was on the list. I had to go back to it. What you forgot about? These are my infections. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even dwell on it, man. I just got herpes. Eight years. It's, that's crazy, man. And he's um, been infecting people, and now these women are coming out of the woodwork, a la Bill Cosby. Like they're just like, you get a lawsuit. You get a lawsuit. Like don't even know what to say i mean um this is from tmz uh the woman suing usher and accusing him of exposing her to herpes now says an std test confirmed she's contracted the virus and she had filed some new legal documentations only listing herself as jane doe Mm. uh she had gone to get tested immediately after hearing reports that usher admitted in documentations Excuse me, in documents, uh, he has herpes simplex too. Uh, TMZ broke the story that she was suing Usher for ten million after she says that they had unprotected sex earlier this year. Jeez, man! Like <laughs> she now wants at least twenty million for emotional harm, medical bills, and punitive damages. He's known since two thousand ten, at least. Like it says. Um, yeah, that's that's so he's known and he's and he's still doing it, man. Please. Well, at least we know that's why he got divorced. You think so? I think I think so. Mm. Though, think though he like she, he either he gave it to her or she knew he had it and she didn't want to mm. have anything else to do with him. Because we had, you know, what's he been doing then? You know, if if he has it and she doesn't yet, at least. Good point. Because that was the year or, Raymond versus or, Raymond came out. Yeah. So. Is that Raymond with herpes or before herpes and Raymond after? <laughs> Man, so is that little freak? Was that that was you know? Yeah. Let it burn. Did he know back then? Let it burn is a whole new meaning. Yeah, you know, confessions came out two thousand four. Um, of course, this was you know six years before, but maybe he foresaw. You know, he was like, with this life I'm living, man, I'll let it burn. It's kind of like this. Um, uh, there's this documentary I was watching about Freddie Mercury. Mm. Is the same style as that Prince documentary I told you about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to where like yeah, they cut in some archival footage, but they have an actor portraying him. But it's but it's more of a documentary. Yeah. Uh, basically, they were talking about like in the early '80s, Freddie was out of control. I can I can imagine. <laughs> He was out of control and um, uh, I hadn't finished watching it yet. I got to the part to where he uh, he was at his doctor and he took a test. He mm-hmm. took an AIDS test and then it got out that he had taken an AIDS test. But this was like 1985. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it had to be like um, quieted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was um, thinking of another six years after mm-hmm. that, seven years. And then, but it, but it was when he finally announced he had it, he died like two weeks later or yeah, something he like was that. So far in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but today, if that kind of thing happened today, 
Oh God. Um, I don't think they would have, I don't think he would have gotten that far as far as like, if he went seven years, if mm-hmm. he, if he knew, and then seven years later, like live seven years without telling anyone mm-hmm. and no one else finding out or really even realizing it. I don't think that would have happened in today's age. Uh, well, we almost well, kinda kind of, well, kind of, yeah. well, true, true. Yeah. But I guess, I think in, in this regard, I, I guess, um, Herpes isn't seen the same way. No, it's not. No, because I heard I heard A Rod has herpes. No, not A Rod. Derek Jeter. Because yeah. <laughs> they said they saw um um what's her name uh, or maybe it was um it was either him or Jessica Alba because they said that her per, their personal assistant had to go pick up the medication. Oh my god! For them, and they're like, so one of them had it, yeah. And yeah, you're right. It's probably not seen. It's not seen the same way. No, I mean, I don't want it, but I mean, I'm just saying it's not. <laughs> and what's weird is like, I think because of someone like Usher, like you hear this to where, um, I've heard Bo Mai Joe's talk about this, how like NFL players are mm-hmm. jealous of a lot of NBA players. Yeah. One, because they make more money, more mm-hmm. guaranteed money yeah. on average. And a lot of times, uh, they're uh, running in the same circles as far as women go. Mm-hmm. Like they're all hitting on the same woman <laughs> all the time. Um, I think that should also add add in um, rappers and R and B singers. We think rappers are jealous of R and B singers, or, or no? To where they're all they're all hitting on the same woman, yeah. the same kind of woman. Oh yeah, especially nowadays because the line between a rapper and an R and B artist is blurred. And so, um, I think the athletes need to be even more careful, um, <laughs> because they, mm-hmm. I feel like you're going, y'all going to run into somebody, um, <laughs> what? it reminds me of that, uh, lyric from gold digger by Kanye West. Which one? Um, hold on. I, hold on. I heard it at a wedding this weekend, but it was heavily edited. I was very upset when I heard broke, broke. I was like, ah, turn it off. There's no point. There's no point in playing this song. Um, it take too much to touch her. From what I heard, she got a baby by Buster. Oh, My God. best friend say she used to fuck with Usher. Yes. Okay. So uh, Kanye, uh, go get yourself tested, man. Um, oh, man. where is Kanye? <laughs> you never know, man. Um, so yeah, uh, that's gonna do it for our. Uh, our music news topics. And so we're going to get into our earworms of the week, our special edition earworm of the week. Uh, Ben, tell us about, um, as we pay tribute to Chester Bennington, play a song by Lincoln park. And Ben, tell us about your selection. I went with burn it down. Um, one of my favorite Lincoln park songs. Um, there is an acapella version out there of it with him singing the vocals are so clean so powerful um it's just kind of a beautiful song really i mean it's not beautiful in the sense of like oh there's a piano playing and stuff but it's just like the lyrics are very beautiful i think um and i don't know it's just one of those songs where like i i put this song on in the car and i sing along to it i try to sing along to it at least um chester Bennington has a very powerful voice so it's kind of hard to keep up with him even when he's not screaming it's still kind of hard to keep up with him it's just a really good song, though. One of my favorites that he's ever sung. All right. So this is Burn It Down by Linkin Park. 
and we'll be right back. Right, that is Burn It Down from the album Living Things. And I, I really feel like this is one of his better vocal performances. And it's really like, aside from the screaming, because I know he screamed a lot. <laughs> but it, it gives you an idea of like his full range of vocals. Like where he's belting it out in the choruses. And then he's kind of being very melodic you know, in the verses, it's, you get the whole gamut of Chester Biddington, I think. All right. Um, so you guys can check that out. Um, now technically, um, that is the hundred and first song, <laughs> but it's really the hundredth song. 
Uh, yeah, Hot Rod Hearts is still not on the year. It hadn't come back yet. They, they're not reading my letters. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so technically, uh, Burn It Down is the 100th earworm to make our list. Mm-mm-mm. I wonder if there's a karaoke version of it. <laughs> of Hot Rod Hearts? I don't think it was a single. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it was either. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we started the show off with some taco. Put on the ribs. That's his real name. That's so that, funny. That is his real name. Taco. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, those who have seen our at least our Facebook page, we're doing another rendition of because five, 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 five. We got to get a tag for that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like explosions because five. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Five. <laughs> um, yeah, so because five, uh, for those who are new to this kind of episode, we pick a topic and we're going to pick our top five related to that topic. Uh, why? Because five. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this topic is going to be our top five one hit wonders of the 80s well it was going to be of the 80s but that is too much yeah, too much to deal with there's a lot <laughs> this was still a lot too but. yeah there's still a lot so we tried to split it up like okay how about 1980 to 1984 still very tough list <laughs> to uh to compile here so we're picking our top five um songs uh that were one hit wonders released between 1980 and 1984 and uh yeah, uh, it, hey, you may not agree with our list, but hey, you can tell us that you don't agree. Give us your top five or. Uh, Actually, to me, it's my, my list. Yeah. <laughs> and you and just like this is our list, you can make your own list. What's that? Do you used to say a uh, big whoop want to fight about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like Patty Tanager, Caddy Manager. Manager. Yeah, right. Yeah, big whoop want to fight about it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're this is our top five. So as of, of course, you know, if you listen to this before, we have our two honorable mentions. So Ben, what's your first honorable mention? You laughed at this one. <laughs> you thought I thought it was too low, and then it took that off my list altogether. So yeah. Um, come on, Eileen, Dexy's Midnight Runners. Ah, oh, there it goes. That that iconic fiddle. Um. <laughs> So honestly, this song reminds me of high school because of VH1, <laughs> because it would get played yeah. on VH1 a lot. And so that was kind of some of my, that and um, Star 94, which back in the 90s, early 2000s, not, not to sound like an old person, was a much better station. They had a program called Friday Night 80s in which they just play a ton of 80s music on Friday nights. And this was one of the songs they'd also play. Um... And it just it reminds me of, you know, a really fun time. Um, not to mention, it's played very well. Um, and I just love the way they changed, you know, they kind of changed from, um, like, kind of a backbeat to, like, just a straight-ahead beat in the verses, I mean, the choruses. Um, and at the end, of course, you know, doing the two rai eye and the sp- how it kind of speeds up. This It's got a lot of nice things to it. Uh, with this song, it's like, you hear the song and how... I don't know if you can say like low key epic it is. Yeah, no, it has a lot of different it had a lot of different elements to it. Yeah. And I think that's kinda of what makes it low key epic. 
Because it's like just when you're like, oh snap, there's more. Like, <laughs> um, and the thing, and then they created a part of like when you're a success, especially in the 80s, if you create some kind of trend. Yeah. So in the 80s, a lot of people were wearing overalls with berets <laughs> and scarves. And wearing, I don't know if these are some PF flyers with no socks oh, <laughs> or whatever. Shout out to Benny Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people started dressing like that. And that was really just a, a thing that they were trying out, mm-hmm. that the band was trying out. Yeah. Or, or that Kevin Rowland told them to put on. Because I think he like he's he's the main, he's the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I looked them up because I was very curious to see, you know, who some of the members of the band were. Because... Like, one thing that kind of stands out to me is the bass player's performance. Um, I thought he did really well, like, keeping a good rhythm here in the verses, and then just effortlessly switching to almost kind of a walking type, very moving bass line in the choruses. Um, I forgot what his name was, but, like, you can you can look him up. I think he's still playing. He's, he's, he's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it, it, uh, it has elements of, of pop. And I believe Celtic, ska, ska, yeah, a little bit of ska, Celtic music, Celtic stuff in there. Um, yeah, they were the the song itself combined a few different a few different elements, and they were okay. They said pop, new wave, some R and B, some Celtic folk. Uh, it's considered blue eyed soul. <laughs> I'm trying to find what isn't <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. Like I feel like the 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 tag Blue Eyed Soul is a very revisionist type thing. Like I think the band Parachute was called Blue Eyed Soul. I'm not joking. Okay. Yeah, they're just you know, Michael McDonald would be rolling in his grave, but he's still with us. So, and that's not a bad thing. That's not. A bad thing. <laughs> so yeah, Come On Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners, uh, actually credited as Dexy's Midnight Runners and the Emerald Express. That band name is too long um and i think desi's midnight runners it was named after like a laxative it was a drug actually oh like dexatrol or something like that oh okay it was uh actually a northern soul um yeah it came from a uh northern soul fans gave them energy to dance all night um, yeah, that's not, yeah, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> um, I thought for a while, I think someone, admit, maybe I heard that as a, as a joke that I thought that Dexy's Midnight Runners was a laxative. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's Ben's first honorable mention. My first honorable mention, um, if you see the, uh, if you, you'll see this list on Spotify by searching BTTYHT because five one hit wonders, 1980 to 1984, the, the band on the cover which you can barely see <laughs> all the words, but it's actually Kajagugu. So my first honorable mention is Kajagugu's Too Shy. And I think it's another uh, bass playing yeah. performance you are interested, you might be interested in. Yeah, he's a he's a very good bass player. I can't remember what his name is. I think it's uh, Mick Beggs. Is it, I, think, it, I think he was, I know he was a co-writer of the song, but I think he was the, he's the bass yeah, player as well. Is. The 80s gave us a lot of really good musicians. Um, yeah. Uh, interesting note. This song is produced by Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran. I can believe that. 
I could totally believe it. I'm listening to the way the synth. Yeah, I could. I could believe that. Yeah. Uh, also co-produced by Colin Thurston, who uh, engineered David Bowie's Heroes and Iggy Pop's Lust for Life. Okay. So, uh, Kajagugu definitely had the star power <laughs> at the producer <laughs> position. Anything in particular about this song that, I don't know, just like makes you... Because I don't know, like a lot of the songs on my list I have memories tied to. Do you have any memories tied to this song? Um, uh, just hearing the song, like, well, with VH1, with all their oh, lists, uh, they played I, this a lot. MTV played this a lot whenever they talked about the 80s. And I just, I, I, I love the baseline for it. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like one of those songs. It, this is probably could be considered blue eyed soul. If you forced it enough, forced the issue enough. No, uh, I didn't say it. Uh, Nick, it. <laughs> Nick Beggs, Nick Beggs is yes. the bass player. Yeah. He co he, uh, co-wrote this song. Um, but yeah, that's the one that stuck out to me is the baseline for it. Um, and I didn't understand the lyrics for the longest time. I uh, still don't think I do. <laughs> uh, but like, yeah, the the bass playing sticks out on this song, and the it was one of those like it wasn't like that typical like pop song, like anything straight ahead. It was kind of like soft and but danceable at the same time. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot going on with it. Um, uh, and of course the bass player like gets this, the solo section kind mm-hmm. of, <laughs> and, um, uh, it, it creates like kind of a, you know, I imagine like some, some place like smoky, but it's all like dry ice or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just one of those, um, this is one of those like definitive 80s songs to me mm-hmm. and with hearing the song and if you try to listen to anything else they've made it's just a complete letdown oh that's sad I was gonna ask it was uh what peaked at number five on the billboard hot 100 yep um and as I think when we first discussed this a while back I was going through and trying to you know trying out one hit wonders trying out their other songs and you're like you said you're always disappointed man yeah. Like, if you can find a second song by One Hit Wonder that you like, like, consider yourself lucky. Because there's typically a reason they're a One Hit Wonder. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's not even because of, like, anything on them. Like, I mean, it could be, it's either one of two things. It's like, okay, nothing else could top, nothing we did could top this song. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it was the first single. <laughs> so, this is going to be let down. Or two, it was just like that if you're still trying to recapture that moment, you're chasing that moment of writing this great song. That was this, you know, smash around the world. Mm-hmm. If you keep trying to chase that, you're, you could be stuck in this loop to where you're not creating anything that even is not even like, not just with approaching that success, but even just being any good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that was the case with a lot of the songs on our list here. Uh, <laughs> so, Ben, what's your second honorable mention? All right. So my second honorable mention, some people would also say is rated too low. I don't care. Take on me by Aha. From, um, and I love this. I love this title. Hunting High and Low. I love that album title. Now, I don't know if it was you or 
or it may have been Tim about like listening to another one of their songs. Yeah, and it was just okay. Yeah. It was you. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. sunshine, all the sun always shines on TV. I don't remember. I just remember it was just it the was living really- daylights. They did a Bond theme. They did. Aha uh-huh, uh-huh, did. did a Bond theme. We talked about that on that the episode. living daylights. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, this was this was you know. Um, this so this song is just really really good. It takes me back to a really good place just because it's very upbeat and very positive. Um, I remember in college I used to I used to cover this. Um, shout out to Jamie. I think she's Jamie Foley now. Um, her and I used to cover this. I covered it first by myself, and then she was like, "Hey, let's do it together." And um, I always had fun singing the chorus, <laughs> <laughs> just because why not? You know. Uh, take on me number one. It went number one in 1985, but it was released in 1984, mm-hmm. so it still counts. Yeah. Um, the thing with the, with this the video, the music video is still one of the greatest ever made. Yeah, and to think they did that in the 80s. Yeah. So that's that's pretty phenomenal um, that they were able to do that back then. I and that's another thing. So like you know, of course, and I feel like VH1 is going to come up a lot mm-hmm. in this podcast. Um, I saw this on VH1. And just remember, well, actually, you know what? I take that back. The first time I saw the full video was VH1, but I'm pretty sure it was one of those Time Life commercials where they were selling compilation albums <laughs> that had it on there first. And I just remember thinking, like, it was the, it always played the scene where it's kind of rotating, you know, and it's showing were, him. Were people able to play, uh, able to uh, pay COD for the CDs? Oh, what, what was COD? I don't even know what COD was. Cash on delivery. Shut up, really? Huh. Okay, so like you could just pay like when they showed up, you could just give them cash. Yeah, check or COD. Oh, okay, okay, or money <laughs> order. Yeah, I remember those commercials. Um, I think they were yes. <laughs> so you get to give you some context. We're going to compare to VH1's list. Okay, Dexie's Midnight Runners. Carmen Eileen was number one on their list. Uh, Aha's Take on Me is number three. Kajagugu's Too Shy number nine. That's what we think. That's yeah. Of your list. Compared to what we think. Yeah. <laughs> so that is Take On Me by Aha. 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 <laughs> Where's the spoon? <laughs> Aha. All right. So my second honorable mention, uh, compared to VH1's list, it's on it's number two on their list. But it's my second honorable mention. I ran by a flock of seagulls. So not the country. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm playing this from uh, the Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack. Every time I hear this song and it ends, I always say in my head, Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) Because that's all I can think of. Like, it's the commercial for Grand Theft Auto Vice City and the guy just running through the city. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is, this was a very, well, one, it's going to be known for its video with all the mirrors. Mm -hmm. Uh, The band is known for their hair. Yeah. Um, The one thing that was weird is that, okay, the lead singer had the the hair to where on the sides, everything is pushed way up (laughs) and then the middle is pushed way down like it's this one sharp bang. Yeah. And other members of the band try to do it. And the lead singer, his brother was a drummer. But his brother was losing his hair, but he still tried to do it too. Oh. 
and uh, they were low key like a like oasis as far as their brothers getting along. Really? Okay. <laughs> In which they really didn't. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, it's they're known for their style. Uh, they had that. There, a, a lot of people try to do their hair that way for a short period of time. Yeah, if anyone ever watched uh, Friends, yeah. uh, Chandler in a flashback episode had his hair like fuck a seagulls. Or if um, if you, anyone has seen The Wedding Singer, where uh, um, wasn't that the hairstyle? No, the hairstyle that Adam Sandler had was closer uh, to Duran Duran, right? Yeah, it was more. It was just okay. curly. But when he went to the airport mm-hmm. to chase after Julia, yeah. The airline agent had his hair like flock of seagulls. He was like, "Do you like flock of seagulls?" It's like, uh, "I can see you do." And he just took his ticket. <laughs> yeah. Have you, so, uh, have you heard the cover of this by Bowling for Soup? Yes. Okay. I love that version. <laughs> it's uh, more aggressive, but another gracious. thing about this is that when I saw the countdown and you had the the talking heads for VH1 uh, doing talking about the countdown, they were talking about how. The, you're playing the keyboard, but you're playing one note at a time. So how do you like make that like entertaining to press that one key on the keyboard? Use that. I can't think of the name of the thing that it is now, but it's like the uh, the modifier modular thing. Yeah. Wee, wee, wee. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's nothing like that. It's pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So they, yeah, they made it look fun though, like in the video. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have these mirrors, and you're gonna spin around. Yeah. Will I get dizzy? Probably. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so, yeah, that's my second honorable mention. So now we're in the top five. Ben, number five. Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> Just to, before I play this song, that reminds me of your joke about Macy Gray. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> she clears her throat. Her career is over. <laughs> so I love this song. Ironically, um, my first interaction, well, no, not my first, because I think my first interaction might have been one of those, one of those mini VH1 countdowns. I feel like we're going to have to hashtag them for this episode. Um, yeah, I'll think about it. And, um, but I was more familiar with the Gwyneth Paltrow version from duets, mm. um, which I thought was really good, but I love this song. I don't know why. I don't know who Betty Davis is. I think she's an actress. She's an actress, right? Yeah. Okay. It's just a really one catchy of those song. golden era actresses from the uh, the early talky era of movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just love this song. It's just a really chill song. There's not a ton of memories, um, and this will probably be the only one that doesn't have a ton of memories attached to it. But like, it's just a really cool, chill, good track. I love listening to it. <laughs> um. I don't think she's on VH1's list. Oh, she didn't make it? Maybe someone just forgot. Because I, I, well, for me, I don't know. It's her, it's her signature song, but I don't mm-hmm. know any other song that, it, that, you know, it, she would, she sounds like she would have one of those, like, distinctive voices. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, I mean, this is, I mean, she's got a lot of stuff out, but not a lot of hits. Yeah, I'm looking here now. Like, this was written by Donna Weiss and Jackie DeShannon. Yeah, Betty Davis. As I'm saying, it was on her album, her biggest album, "Mistaken Identity," um, hit number one. 
beyond that, she didn't really do much. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, a bunch. I'm just looking. It's just a bunch of disappointments <laughs> after another. <laughs> and then you see like one. Uh, that's Betty Davis' eyes. Number one on the you know um, Billboard Adult Contemporary, which is kind of backwards. Fifteen on the AC charts. Yeah, it went number one. Um, yeah, it went number one on the Hot 100. Also, it won the Grammy for both record and song of the year. Yeah, meaning I have good taste. But, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just it's just a really chill track. I think one thing I really like about it as well is that chord progression. But I don't know. I can't like. There's something about it. I can't put my finger on why I like it so much. Uh, there's also another a good cover of this by Karen D'Souza. Okay, I'll uh, we'll play that for you later. Uh, <laughs> Karen D'Souza. Um, if you hear like any of those like Brazilian jazz artists, bossa oh, nova okay. artists, um, good music to relax to, and they'll take something like this and like slow it down and still make it interesting. <laughs> now that you mention it, I do think I might have heard it, and it might be on one of my playlists. And if so, I think it's I think it's really good. All right. Um, all right, my number five. Number five. A song that is uh, probably at the time no one was thinking it until it got banned, but it, this is actually a pretty disgusting song. <laughs> it is "Relax" by Frankie Goes Hollywood. <laughs> Agreed. Um, a song about a guy having an orgasm. I didn't know this got banned. Yes, this got banned. Um, I believe it was banned by the BBC. Yeah, they're a bunch of uh, uptight wads, as they would say in the UK. Um, let's see what the background was for it. Uh, well, for one, produced by Trevor Horn, hmm. who we have spoken about previously um, as producing Yes after he was the lead singer on one of their terrible albums. <laughs> and he was also the lead singer of Video Killed the Radio Star. I'm also saying he produced Kiss from a Wolf of the Buzzles. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, let me see where it was. It was banned. Yes, it was banned by the BBC. Um, want to come? And that that's the point. That's what makes yeah. it kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really the main reason why it was banned by the BBC upon its release in 1983. Um, and. Uh, there was there was an ad taken out in the British music press, where the first ads uh, featured one of the members in a sailor cap, a leather vest, and then Holly Johnson, lead singer, with a shaved head and rubber gloves. Oh wow! And they had uh, images with the phrase "All the nice boys love seamen," but it S E A M E N, and said uh, and declared Frankie goes to Hollywood are coming, making Duran Duran lick the shit off their shoes. 19 inches that must be taken always. Oh my goodness. These guys, I didn't realize they were such perverts. Oh my god. I was wondering if they oh, named their album, you know, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome for a reason, but it sounds like yes, they did. Um, so, yeah. That's crazy. I'm sorry, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, and this is one of those songs, uh, 
Uh, it's featured in T2 Train Spotting. It's also featured in Vice City Stories in their fictional, one of their fictional radio stations. And this is considered a high energy song, which was kind of like post disco, um, but kind of like the grandfather of EDM. Mm-hmm. Um, with Wasn't the, a lot of the stuff that with the production Factory did early on, high energy. Yeah, they were really yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, like this is this is one of those high energy songs that they had nothing to do with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my number five. Relax, and also. There was a trend with it. People wearing the shirts. Frankie says relax. <laughs> Frankie says relax. <laughs> All right. So that's my number five. So Ben, number four. All right. Get to the heart of it. She's a beauty. The tubes. Oh, before I play, before you discuss that, Frankie goes to Hollywood on the VH1 list. Um, Number 10. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, so the tubes. She's a beauty. Um, for some reason, before I took my radio final at West Georgia, while I was studying, I think I played this song ten times. Yeah, like I played it a lot. I was just sitting there, like playing it. I think I, I think I did well in the final too. So, thanks, Tubes, um, <laughs> for helping me out. But that was kind of where my obsession with this song came from. Like just breaking it down um, and listening to it, just I don't I don't know what it was, but um, like I like the solo, I like the I don't know, I just like the I don't know, I like everything about the song. It's one of those where I can't put my finger on it. Of course, it's tied to a memory. Of course, I think the I think the part after the solo too, I really like the bridge with the synth and everything. I don't know, it's just a really good song. And this was one of their. This is their attempt at being pop mm-hmm. compared to some of their other stuff, uh, which was very, I guess you could say it's kind of like, um, well, not, not similar to, but I guess they're being really artsy, kind of like Genesis with Peter Gabriel. Yeah. I listen to some <laughs> more, some more of their stuff. Um, they have a, you know, a few things, but I mean, eh, it was, you know, yeah. And I'm looking here now. I didn't realize this. Steve Lukather was one of the writers on this. Um, Steve Lukather, Toto. Toto, yeah. So, um, very tight niche, tight, um, tight knit scene back then. It seemed everybody's working on everyone's stuff. Um, now I knew that they. Outside your world. I love those harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was also co-written by David Foster. The. The David, David Foster. Foster. The David um, Foster. Yeah, David Foster's a legend. <laughs> so that, that's funny then. So they, so like you were saying, this was their attempt at being pop. They basically went and got two proven songwriters. <laughs> and was like, give us a hit. And they got their hit. Yeah. Like, honestly, now thinking of, like... From watching the music video, I could see that they 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 seem like they're very prog ish. Um, let's see, number ten on the Hot 100, number one on the U.S. mainstream rock tracks, and um, uh, Way Bill Fee Way Bill, the lead singer. He was originally inspired when he passed a booth on a San Francisco street outside a peep show. The booth being marked with a sign reading "Pay a dollar, talk to a naked girl." 
and the frustrating conversation that ensued between him and the woman inside the booth. <laughs> that that's the lines of the song. She'll give you every penny's worth, but it will cost you a dollar first. <laughs> that's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> so yeah, she's a beauty by the tubes. Are they from San Francisco? Uh, no, I think they're British. Oh no, they are. They're from San Francisco. Oh, I thought they were British this whole time. Why didn't I? Man, I wish I would have known that when I was in San Francisco. Like, show me where the tubes played their first gig. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm confused. I'm confusing it with someone else. I thought they were British, but yes, they are from San Francisco. That's dope. So, uh, some Americans. Well, Kim Carnes, where is she from? <laughs> I don't know. I always think of Kim Bassinger for some reason. Oh, she's from she's from L.A. All right, yeah. cool. So you have Americans on your list. I still do not. <laughs> and on this next one, he's not American either. My number four, no three. Wait, which one is this? <laughs> I've already forgotten. That was my number four. Okay, she's one, a beauty. Was my number four? Two. Five, four. Okay, my number four. <laughs> um, the tubes are not on that VH1 list. Uh, VH1 is lame. Yeah, the card. Uh, but this one is. This is Gary Newman. Cars. Is he British? Gary Newman. Uh, he maybe sounds, he sounds. He has a weird voice to me. <laughs> Yes, he is from London. Uh, this song was created um, by accident, I think. Um, How was that? Well, he was in a rock band, and then someone left behind a synthesizer from the previous recording session, so he started playing around with it. Okay. And uh, created this song, written and produced by Gary Newman. Um, and it was inspired inspired by an incident of road rage. What? <laughs> um, the thing that I liked about it is it had the synthesizers, but it had the I liked the percussion of it too, to hmm. where it sounded very, um, um, I think it was kind of like a a, a kind of a, a clash of sorts to where this is one of the first songs to where um, uh, to where the synthesizers are like the the, the the front instrument the front man of the mm -hmm. instruments you know and um, the drums sounded kind of like late 70s <laughs> no the whole song kind of sounded like it honestly I mean it's a very I don't know. Like I, I, whenever I hear this song, I focus more on his voice than the um, than the synth. Which the synth was just—it sounds very spacey. So when I hear it, I don't even think of like an actual car. I think of a spaceship just because it sounds so so synthy, so spacey. But his voice just—it kills me because he just sounds <laughs> my cars. Like he's just—I would have never known he was British, honestly. Uh, he had a band. His band was called Tubeway Army. I think that's why I confused with the tubes. Oh, okay. I thought he was in the tubes, but anyway, um, 
yeah, this was this was his first solo song. He dropped the name Two Boy Army. He's like, this is my song. <laughs> oh, really? So they played on this? Ooh. Yeah. I wonder how they feel about that. Um. Yeah, and just uh, it's one of those it's one of those songs that with the, the synthesizer and the way that it's put together, it's like wow, you are you and you're not gonna top this. <laughs> you you can't top this song. Um, and it's something that's very that was very simple uh, about driving in your car. Even mm-hmm. if you made a song about I don't know taking a shower <laughs> or yeah, making a sandwich. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be hard to to top something like that. Um, he played the mini moog and the poly moog on this uh, particular song, and the synthetic percussion, which may would sound like hand claps, I guess, mm-hmm. on this song. But yeah, that's my number four, Cars. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, number three. Number three. Maniac, Michael Cimbello. This song, this song. Man. From, of course, it's Flashdance, right? From Flashdance. Yes. Academy Award nominated song. Yes. Even though it technically didn't, it should not have qualified. Why? Because it wasn't written for the movie? Because it was, um, he based the song off of a demo he made which was never released mm-hmm. but it was a demo for it was for a song that was going to be for a horror movie it was never used in the movie never released so he just reworked it and turned it into Maniac mm-hmm. but um yeah this song I love it I love the um my favorite part about it is like well of course the it's a very kind of it builds up a little bit of tension how quick the song kind of goes yeah and then I love in the verse the um I love the synth the electric panel and the verses. I love the solo. One of my favorite solos of all time. Um, and then like the part that's right before it with the la 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 la. I love like those are my favorite parts. And it just sticks out. Um, there was a hard rock cover of this by a band called Sergeant Slaughter. I think was the name. It's a very kind of cheesy '80s rock version of it, and I love what they did with that part too. And they get the solo and everything. And but they keep the the kind of the quick pace the aggression the tension of it. i love it like just everything about this song is just it's a plus i love it uh first thing you want to hear this song is not a flash dance because i haven't seen the movie in its entirety neither the sec but it was another well kind of a reference to the song if you see the movie tommy boy oh yeah <laughs> where uh tommy well chris farley's character and rob lowe's character they go hang out after they just meet yeah and uh they go cow tipping. Okay. It's been a minute, but I think <laughs> Tommy Boy this. falls in the, the cow poop. So they go to a gas station to get cleaned off. And uh, Rob Lowe is like spraying water on him. <laughs> while, and he's like dancing. He's like singing, singing maniac. <laughs> um, I know this is not a visual medium, but yeah, watch Tommy Boy. Yeah. It's like within the first 20 minutes or so. If you haven't seen Tommy Boy too, just, just watch it anyway. Yeah. It's a funny movie. Chris Farley at his finest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what. And also, also reminds me. I saw a because um, I was looking at American Bandstand performances, specifically from the eighties. Yeah. Of course, Michael Cimbello performed Maniac. I believe this was a number one hit, right? Yeah, I think so. Let me see here. 
I do believe so, though. I love that part. Uh, yes, it was number one. Um, and uh, the song was produced by Phil Ramone of the Ramones Uh, Phil Ramone is known for producing um, he produced for Paul Simon he produced for Tony Bennett I don't he know why I for, the he's produced for uh, Get Gilberto. He uh, engineered that album. Uh, Just the way you are. He produced that song by Billy Joel. Okay. Uh, so he's actually like kind of like a, a big a big deal. Ron <laughs> <laughs> <Ron> Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, with Maniac with Mike Savelle performing on American Bandstand, he had on this like tank top. And he had the hairy chest because it was like, you know, it was 82, 83. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, there is nobody who would get away with that today. Yeah. <laughs> nobody could go on TV looking like that as a musician, that is. So um, I thought that was pretty funny. Okay. So my number three. <laughs> um, finally, someone American on my list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, And it's... uh. Okay, I'll just play this song. You'll know who it is. But uh, the conversation that this guy had with his father and then what his half-brother may have had with that same father. Very interesting. I want to know what those conversations were as far as them doing music. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So yeah, this is uh, Rockwell, <laughs> who's somebody's watching me. Um, probably the most famous part of this song is who sang background vocals on it, which is crazy to me that he just did background vocals. But you know, yeah, hey, they were friends. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll help you out, bro. Well, not well, not only Michael Jackson, but Jermaine Jackson also probably was told to do it by Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, this is this was 1984, so probably Jermaine Jackson thinks he's as big a star as Michael is. <laughs> um, so yeah, they sang background vocals on it. He he wrote the song. Of course, Rockwell is Kenneth Gordy, son of Barry Gordy, and older half brother of whichever member of LMFAO. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It was like that's why I What were those conversations like when they told Barry Gordy they wanted to do music? <laughs> and I really feel like he didn't want them to. Probably. I thought his name though was funny. He didn't want he didn't want, of course, his father to know. Yeah. He goes with the name Rockwell because he believed he 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 Rockwell. signed with Motown without Barry Gordy's knowledge. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Felt that he rocked well. I like that. Um, I'm trying to think of like a day, like a today's equivalent to this too, like an unknown artist getting like a huge artist to sing to sing background, background for of, them. Yeah, man, I I don't know. Um, 
I don't know if that's happened lately, like even within the last 15 years. And just someone who's huge and just... Like the first thing I think of is like, there's a song, I think it came out in the late 80s, early 90s called Heaven Help Me by Dion Estes. And the oh, background vocals are clearly, you can clearly hear George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> the background vocals. That's a good song. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. And the thing that's weird also with this is it's important to think of like, okay, you feel like you're being stalked. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like half a rap song. Yeah. Uh, he had another song called Obscene Phone Caller on the mm-hmm. same album where it's the same themes. Like I, I listen, try to listen to it. Like this sounds like who's watching me, but like part two, <laughs> like you're exploring the same things here. And that kind of makes this song even more of a novelty because it sounds like it's out of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's great for Halloween and it doesn't make sense to listen to it at any other time of year. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, and it's from, uh, of course, because in the 80s, if you have that one hit single, you're trying to sell the album as well. So mm-hmm. that is the name of your album. So the name of the album is Somebody's Watching Me. And I'm pretty sure it, it what did it go, platinum, gold, something? I'm not sure how it sold. Yes, it did go. Well, it went gold in America. No, it went platinum. It sold did. a million. Because you could do that back then with one hit. And uh, on the Billboard charts, number two. And on VH1's little chart thing, number 20. Number 20 on their one hit wonder list. So, yeah, that's number number three. Number two. All right. Um, Forget Me Not, Patrice Russian. Um, Of course, I think like a lot of people my age, their first encounter with this song was um, Men in Black, Black. Will Smith. Um, a really good sample um, and then of course just as I got a little bit older um, probably heard of The Quiet Storm something I don't know but <laughs> um, heard the song and realized it was more than just you know here come the men in black <laughs> such um, a good song on VH1's list this song is number 86 see VH1 don't know what they talk about they, like, they don't they such, really don't know such a um, so like of course this song for me is the bass line and I remember trying to learn this bass line, and I, I almost got it. And by almost, I never got it. <laughs> um, it's a really good bass line, really well, just really well played. Um, and then, of course, Patrice Russian, who I've not heard anything else by her. Um, uh, she has a song that I, I had heard uh, called Remind Me. Yeah, Remind Me. And uh, also from the same album. <laughs> straight from the heart both of those songs um but yeah those are the only one those are the only two i know fought by her and um with this song she won a grammy for it mm-hmm. best female r&b vocal performance uh record like rape record label executives saw the song as a flop really she released the song anyway yeah her highest charting hit it hit it, it peaked at number 23 and uh, one thing that I knew her for being um, my first exposure to Patrice Russian before I even know this song is by her was on HBO. This like the 80s HBO early days. They had uh, Robert Townsend had his own like sketch comedy show mm-hmm. called Robert Townsend, the partners in crime. Yeah. 
and she was like the band leader. Okay. <laughs> um, because he would shout her out every episode, uh, even though there wasn't much like the band did. Maybe that was for the live audience <laughs> that they had. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the first time I had heard that name. Uh, her being a band leader on that show, and um, yeah, and then well, yeah, everyone was that. This is this is Men in Black. Yeah. <laughs> this this is samples for Men in Black. Uh, Freddie Washington, famous bass player. Yeah. Um, co-wrote, played on it as well. Um, played with you know Steely Dan, whole bunch of other people. I think Michael Jackson, Al Jarreau. Um, just I mean, I feel like that's the most I kind of think about this song. It's a good song. Don't get me wrong, but like that bass line. Yeah. Like it's just, and of course, like in the '80s, you know, slap was getting very popular. I still remember the bass player from. Um, that played on Peg by Steely Dan talking about how they didn't want him to use slap because of it was just becoming such a fad mm. um, and he just snuck it in there anyway <laughs> <laughs> and this is just one of those like all time like really good slap bass lines just really good and then of course you have a solo a good saxophone Sax solo. solo I wonder who played that saxophone solo um, I think that was Gerald Albright Yes, Gerald Albright. Nice. Okay. Oh God, Freddie, ready, Freddie Washington. I didn't know he had that name. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go check and, out some more of this. And this is considered post disco. Some of these posts, <laughs> post disco, post post sandwich. I don't know. <laughs> also sampled on George Michael's "Fast Love." Yep, at the end there. At the end of the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is your number. Two. Mm-hmm. All right. My number two. Uh, it's actually a. I didn't know for the longest time that it was a cover song, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know that. I thought the song was new when I saw the movie Coneheads. The song was in the movie. I thought it was a new song at the time, but it actually was not. Oh, that was a, that's a funny movie, mm-hmm. and that's a very funny. Um, I just still remember, like, that's tied to a memory right there for me. Like, all my friends and I singing that song, not knowing what it was. Of course, I'm talking about Tainted Love by Soft Cell. Sounds the, like it was made on a Casio keyboard. It made a Casio keyboard in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen Coneheads <laughs> 2, go see that. <laughs> He sings that at the end, right? Oh yeah, at, at the, the end where yeah. he has to narfle the Garthog. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Dan Aykroyd, right? Yeah. Okay, Bell's was it Belthar or something like that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Narfle the Garthog. Narfle the Garthog. <laughs> but yes, good memories from that movie and this song. Yeah. So then, what do you think of the cover of the cover? Marilyn Manson's Tainted Love. Um, I like his version. Uh, it was it from was, another teen movie. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of too slow. Yeah, he does slow it down days. big time. Um, uh, but yeah, I like the song with, I like this version of the song because of, you know, it's the, it's the synth poppiest of synth pop songs. Oh God, it's so <laughs> synth pop. Um, I do like yes it was made on a Casio keyboard in five minutes but mm-hmm. probably because of technology at the time it probably took longer <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm trying to look see what happened to them 
looking at them. They're so old. Um, their second was funny. Like there, this is a cover, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and their second single was a cover of "Where Did Our Love Go" by the Supremes, mm-hmm. and it sounded just like "Tainted Love." Yeah. Like it was the same tempo. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, was it another mashup? No. Well, because <laughs> it kind of it, really, it was end. released that way. To yeah. where they was, they released it as a a separate single, mm-hmm. but the extended version of "Tainted Love" turns into "Where Did I Love Go." Yeah, <laughs> those mashups. See, we could have done this. We could have thought of this and gotten rich doing this. We yeah, weren't we weren't thinking. <laughs> um, and what was funny with the with the song is like seeing it seeing it performed on like Top of the Pops. Yeah, to where it was just so like. Well, they look like your stereotypical, like, skinny British dudes that were just, like... Yeah. You know, that the dark hair, the glasses. <laughs> yeah. Um, from their album, Nonstop Erotic Cabaret. Oh, and on VH1's list, Tainted Love, I believe, is number two. It's number five, I thought. Five? Oh, it's five. My bad. Five, yes. Um... When I was when I first watched the countdown, I was like, that's number one. Soft Cell has to oh, be number also? one. It's like, number five? Really? Um, and we'll give you the well. I, we've already played Take on Me, which is number three. I ran by Flock of Seagulls, number two. Dexie is that runner, number one. Number four is eight six seven five three zero nine. It's on neither of our lists, so just let you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Ben, what's number one for you? <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people are gonna like hate me for this one, but I don't care. But the thing is, if you know, if people know you, they know how much you love this song. <laughs> I'm talking about the warrior by scandal people. <laughs> this song is amazing. <laughs> I don't care. I'm looking like there's not much information on it. It was written by Holly Knight who wrote Love is a Battlefield. Um but this song is just amazing and honestly it's one of those songs I I still remember the first time I heard this song and where I was. It was not in the 80s because I was a, I was a baby basically. Um, it was probably around 2003, 2004. I was helping my father clean out the garage and one of those adult contemporary stations was playing and this song started playing and I was just like, holy crap, what is this? (laughs) And of course, back then you don't have the technology to go find a song immediately. So it was some years until I found out what it was through the power of the internet. And like ever since then... I, I can't say that there's a week that doesn't go by that I don't listen to this song. I would say there's not a day, but just sheer numbers. I'm sure there's you know a couple of days every now and then they go by I don't listen to this song, but I listen to this song all the time. Like this is not only one of my favorite one hit wonder songs. This is one of my favorite songs. Period. I need to say this is this is your ringtone when you call me going forward. This I'm pretty sure this was my ringtone at one point. Um, co-written by Holly Knight and Nick Gilder. Who sang uh, "Hot Child in the City"? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, went number one in Canada, number seven in the U.S., number one on the mainstream rock charts. Um. Now, th- I guess this would be their their high. Yeah, this is their highest charting song. "Goodbye to You" is another song I remember by Scandal. Yeah. And um. Yeah, it hit sixty five. It, it, yeah, it peaked at number sixty five. Yeah. And I think "Goodbye to You" was the one that. Wasn't the scandal like the second video played on MTV? I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I just remember this. I don't know. I don't. 
I, I feel like I feel like they're they were um, I feel like they were uh, they they had the second video ever played on MTV. Let's see. Also, I love Patty Smythe's voice. Like she's a really really good singer. Um, let's see. And they were also on a show that uh, was short-lived. It was Pat Benatar, You Better Run. Oh, okay. I know they were on, like, the, they had to be on, like, the first the first day, one of their videos, because it was, like, self-produced. It may not have been for The Warrior, but maybe in uh, one of their other songs, to where they, the song, they had a video, and they didn't even have a record deal yet. I do remember that video that you're talking about, though. Um... Which think if you think about that, like back then, that happening, that's pretty crazy to have a video like that back in the '80s that you put together. I don't, you know, people always kind of. I don't think people really always put it into perspective. Like that was hard to do back then. Mm-hmm. We have all this technology nowadays that you can do that with. You can't do that anymore. And I'm still sad. Did they get? They did get back together. Yeah, they were on Bands Reunited. Yeah, yeah I'm seeing John Bon Jovi <laughs> was a member of, of of Scandal at one point, but you know. They were too good for him. <laughs> so they had to let him go. You know. Alright. That was from their album simply titled Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my number one. Um, I thought it did not qualify because of when it was released. But it actually does. Uh, this is one of my favorite eighty songs ever. And it is. <laughs> and it's funny that. The name of their band is in the name of the title of the song. It's in a big country by Big Country. <laughs> Hold was on. It, was let, me, let me play their, the single version. They had a long intro with this extended version. It's the radio edit. I For some reason, I remember when I was in middle school... Was there a basketball player named Big Country? Yeah, Bryant Reeves. Okay, okay. Played at Oklahoma State and uh, for the Grizzlies. He was their first ever draft pick, I think. Because then I remember, like, after that, like, every tall white dude got called Big Country. I remember, like, that's pretty messed up. (laughs) You said Bryant Reeves? Bryant Reeves. Yeah, this is a good song. I forgot about this song. I didn't think it qualified either. Um... On one of the first, uh, I had this, like, I, I, I don't know if you remember it. I had this book of mixed CDs in college. Yes, I do. Because I, I remember Unsigned Hype. Yeah, that was yeah, one of them. That was one of them. <laughs> uh, this was just part of the, I just called it the 80s. I think this is on the 80s part three, if I still have those CDs. Yeah, I think I started, <laughs> I named some of my playlists after that, like Unsigned Hype. I would put that on my, um, my mixed CDs as well. <laughs> Um, I think I stole that from like either from the source or like double XL magazine, okay. something like that. <laughs> yeah. I've been using it forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this was on there and I like the, the, the guitar playing a, a, a bagpipe type riff. Yeah. Um, uh, in the video, I think they were racing on four wheelers. Um, and yeah, are they like in Scotland? Yeah, they're Scottish. Okay. Well, they're in, they're in Scotland, like on the countryside, like riding four wheelers, right? Yeah. Like it felt yeah. like it's one of those videos where like they just like sweeping shots and kind of like um, holding back the years. 
<laughs> um, yeah, so they're they're another Celtic inspired band, mm-hmm. um, and they were looked at. Uh, one thing I thought that was cool, uh, just for me, just for first seeing them, they had a black drummer. Yeah, a black Scottish drummer. Never <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> um, and uh, they um, like this is one of those songs to me to where like probably until this year I had not tried to listen to anything else by Big Country because I felt it was going to be this a, a letdown <laughs> from 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 this song, and it's it, it has this like big this big sound, this big epic sound. Um, I remember one point, even when someone said like they were going to be like the Scottish U2. Hmm. Um, kind of a bit, well, I mean, back then, I guess that wasn't as big a thing. Now you're like, whoa, that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think U2 is kind of on that list of bands. Like you don't want to compare other bands to them yeah. because it's just, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. That reminds me when like the spin doctors were supposed to be the American U2. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know somebody said that. <laughs> That's just irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, just this was, yeah, this is just one of those songs to where, like, I, this is one of those songs that I probably listen to at least probably once a month. I don't know about every week or day like you with Scandal, <laughs> but at least once a month I come across this song. But uh, yeah, big country in a big country. <laughs> um, uh, the, I think there were there were like some other bands who had like their um, just anything to market themselves. Bad company to where company. yeah, <laughs> the name of the song is the name of the band. Yeah, and the name of the <laughs> yeah, bad company featuring bad company by bad company. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, and that's one thing that, um, kind of, uh, that kind of liked about it is like, wow, they were really cocky or, yeah. you know, <laughs> or they were, or they like really had to market themselves some way. Like, okay, this is called in a big country. All right. So what do we name our band? Um, you know what? We should just put big country everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not from a big country. It doesn't matter, but it looks like it, right? Look yeah. at all this. Hey, it looks like a big country. It looks like we're in a big country. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, that's gonna do it for our uh, because five. Why? Why? Because five. five. Yeah, it does. Um, and so uh, we'll play my um, my earworm of the week as we pay tribute to Chester Bennington. Um. This was a song that uh, it was. It was kind of the first Lincoln Park song that didn't annoy me, <laughs> or that I wasn't hearing too much all the time. And I think it's on the first of those mix CDs that I ever made. Okay. Uh, this is my December, and it's from Reanimation, so it's that version of my December. And um, yeah, I just really. Um, I think I made this at um, uh, my friend Matt's house, uh, Matt from Augusta. I know like 12 Matt's, yeah. like literally 12. I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, he made, well, he actually made this CD for me at his house. It was like the early days of Napster. 
<laughs> so um, I like gave him a list of songs, and I think I had just heard My December uh, somewhere, and uh, or I think he already had it on his on his computer. He's like, yeah, put that song on there for me. So um, yeah, this is Lincoln Park's My December from the from Reanimation, their remix album of Hybrid Theory. Um, the, the last remix album that anybody ever bought really probably <laughs> but um, yeah so we'll play that and we'll be right back That is My December remix from their reanimation album by Lincoln Park featuring Kelly Ali and Mikey Petralia, according to the credits. I dig that. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the original version, but I like this one. The, the original version is much slower. Okay. I remember. I think it's the last track of the album, too, or one of the last two. I remember Chris Theory. mentioning um, like an anime music video to it or something, but yeah. 
So yeah, that's going to do it for our program. Um, so Ben, where can we be found? If we want to be found, you can find <laughs> us on, excuse me, um, our website by the time you hear this dot com. No copyright infringement. <laughs> style website. Um, episodes are posted there with videos, links to different things. It's just a lot of fun. Go check it out. Drop us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find us on facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um, Facebook and our website are spelled with the word you. If you want to find us on the new hip social media um, Instagrams, you can find us on there. <laughs> and by the time you hear this, spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes. And uh, did you hear that one of his, he, he lost another person today. Yeah. So another person quit from the, that administration that well, no, Sean Spicer quit. Someone else quit. Yeah. Um, Tillerson. Dropping <laughs> <laughs> like flies. Wait, what are you, the Secretary of State? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But hey, we're still upstanding. Yeah, we still, are. We mm-hmm. we are. Yes. Um, you can find us on No Collusion. No <laughs> And even if it did, you know, it's okay because collusion is good. <laughs> um <laughs> But you can find us on Google Play, you can find us on Castbox, Overcast. Um, you can find us on that Apple app, iTunes thing. You can find us there um, if you want. Um, Don't be hating. I ain't hating. I'm just telling the truth. Um, tune in radio, uh, Potomatic. Uh, I believe that's all of them. Auto radio. Auto radio. Hold on. Auto ra- Is it auto or auto? Auto. Oh, auto. I thought O-T-T-O. it was auto. Auto radio. Like auto porter. The overpaid forward for the <laughs> wizards. Gotcha. Gotcha. I can remember that. Yeah. Um, another one of those Syracuse stars making more money than he should. Yeah, no, he, he went to Georgetown. Georgetown. I don't know why. I was about to put him in the same breath as Deion Waiters. <laughs> it's not fair. Not fair. Um, but yes, drop us a line. Um, same spelling. By the time you hear this, for our email address at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Send us music. Like we said, you know, we'll... Uh, We'll play you, you know, just ask us nicely, you know, you don't have to even slide a, a Bitcoin 20 in there or, or whatever yeah. people are using nowadays. You don't have to. We'll, we'll just play. We'll talk about you. Yeah. We look forward to hearing from you. All right. So we're going to end the show with uh, the song that killed Christopher Cross, but really oh. <laughs> it didn't kill Christopher Cross. I think, I think, I think this song came out before Christopher Cross's album actually. Yeah. Um, but the concept killed Christopher the concept Cross. Grilled, killed Christopher Cross, um, who had more hits than, well, not all of these artists combined, but he did have more than one on a, on a per basis. He yeah. had more. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this is, uh, the buggles, uh, Trevor Horn, the lead singer, said he produced Kajagoogoo's Too Shy and he produced Owner of a Lonely Heart, which we talked about on a previous episode. So we're going to play Video Killed the Radio Star, the Buggles version, and that's going to end our show. And uh, we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Peace. Peace.
coming.